0: We had been discussing chapter 2, Sankhya Yoga, Yoga of Knowledge. So far we have seen that from verse 12 onwards, Bhagavan described the nature of the self. From the theistic theism perspective, we have discussed in the beginning that there are several schools of thoughts and Vedanta is the one which believes in that one ultimate reality. There are other schools have not accepted that ultimate reality, such as as atheistic school, which only accepts the facts which are seen and believed. Seeing is believing. So from the perspective of Vedanta, there is an ultimate reality, and that reality manifests in various ways. So that reality is described from verses 12 onwards, the nature of that we have seen is that self, your true self, is immortal, it does not take birth, and it does not die. What dies is the body. So therefore, is said, at the death of the body, that self does not die. At the death of this body, that conditioned self, that ego which has identified with the mind and intellect, is a part of the chitta that is seeking another vehicle for expression, to eke out experiences, depending on the leftover vasanas and desires, it will take another body. But he said this change from one body to another is no different than you growing from childhood to adulthood. So Bhagwan is trying to explain to Arjuna from a highest perspective why he should not be worried about the outcome of this war, or the consequences of this war. This war is imminent because of the behavior of the people in charge of the kingdom. If they are not behaving in a manner which is appropriate, you as the Kshatriya, the royal prince, has the duty to correct it. Now there will be collateral damage, as we call it. There will be consequences of this war. But from the highest perspective, you shouldn't be worried about it because no one is getting killed and no one is killing. From the perspective of the true self, the all-pervading self, none is getting killed and none is killing. All that is happening at the prakrati level where things are constantly changing. So therefore you shouldn't be worried about it. But to understand what is the nature of that self, say, avyaktaha, it is unmanifest. It is unmanifest, in other words, it is beyond perception through my senses. Something which I can perceive, I call it manifest. Something I cannot perceive, I call it unmanifest. Electricity in this room is unmanifest. I cannot see it, but I can vouch for it. The light is manifest. By inference I know that electricity exists, in this room. Because if there is no electricity in this room, the lights won't be working. If you tell me, show me where the electricity is, we won't be able to. But if Swamiji says there is one way to check it out, put your finger in that outlet, and you will know. After that, no words are necessary to explain what electricity is all about. You look at me, I look at you, we understand what electricity is all about. It's a silent teaching. So, from that perspective, Bhagavan said this self is avyaktahar, unmanifest, because it is not possible for you to perceive it through your senses. And as we have seen last time, grosser the matter, it more perceptible. Solid matter I can perceive, liquid I can perceive, once starts it starts becoming gas, I may or may not be able to perceive. Space I cannot perceive. I think I am perceiving space. What I'm perceiving is the conditioning of the space. He said, Neil, do you see the room space? I see room space. Actually, what I'm seeing in the walls and floor and ceiling, you remove these walls and floor and ceiling, the same space, I wouldn't be able to perceive it. You say, Well, I can perceive the outside space also. Only because there's a building across the parking lot. You remove all the objects, space is not easy to perceive. So, subtler the entity, it is more difficult to perceive. When the entity becomes subtlest, it is not perceptible by our senses. It's object, you cannot think about it. You cannot think about it because it's not an object. Our mind can only think about an object in reference to my previous experience. So, I can rationalize it, what I'm thinking about based on my previous experience experiences. When I think about an elephant, I can only think about an elephant in reference to the elephant which I have seen before, heard about before, seen a picture before. But it's something which I have never seen, never perceived. I cannot think about it. Therefore, it's achintya. It's unmanifest. Therefore, I have never experienced it. Therefore, achintya, unthinkable. I am avikaryaha and therefore it does not have any mutation, in modification in it. Modification only takes place in something which has the shape and color and form or parts. If there are no shape, color or form, there is no mutation in that. Something which is so subtle that it cannot be perceived, that has no shape or form or color, then obviously there cannot be any mutation in it. Therefore, it's avikarya, ayam ucchate, it is said to be. Great seers have said this is the nature of the true self. As Swamiji used to say that I can come and bluff my way through because nobody can catch me. There is no guarantee, there is no proof that this is the truth. But if you believe the seers, it's like if you believe that the lights work because of the electricity, then only you will take it from me that the electricity is available in this room. But you think the lights may be working magically because we are Chinmaya mission in a Gita class, we don't need electricity. Magically lights work. No, if lights work, electricity has to be there. This world exists as an effect, there has to be a cause. There has to be an underlying truth which makes the reality as I see a reality. Oh vikarya Muchate tasmad evam enam na knowing this that it is immutable imperishable i should not be worried about for who is getting killed and who is killing as long as you are engaged in your dharma in your duties consequences which are not in your hand you should not be worried about now, this was obviously from a very highest point of view. It is something like if somebody loses a job and you try to convince him and say, you know, everybody at some point of time is going to become invalid to work anyway. Then you're going to die anyway. Why are you worried about losing a job? Well, that's not sometimes a very convincing argument. So you have to give him some other arguments. Why you shouldn't be worried about jobs? Many people lose jobs. It happens in this country all the time. When recession comes, people lose jobs but then sooner or later we'll find another job. Everybody has found another job. Whoever wants to work, find job in this country. So, keep searching. That may be more palatable argument for that person who loses a job. So, Bhagavan recognizing that this may be a very high idea for Arjuna to grasp at this point. So, now he puts another argument. Athacha enam nityajatam And if you think that this self is constantly taking birth, you know, one after another. Nityamva Manyasim Ritam, and constantly dying, is taking birth and dying, is taking birth and dying. If that is the nature of the self that you think it is, or as Swamiji explains here, that Bhagavan Ved is probably explaining from the materialistic point of view. Because in this Darshan sastra we have seen, there are several Darshan sastras. One of them is atheistic atheism, which only believes in things which can be perceived. So seeing is believing. This life is the only life, because it is the only life I can vouch for it. It started from my birth, and it will end at my death. Therefore, this is the only life, and I am to make the best out of it. Charvak was the proponent of this theory. He said, Runam Krutva grutam pibet. Even if you incur debt, enjoy ghee. Enjoy life no matter what the means are. Whatever you have to do, just enjoy this life because there is no other life. That's basically the materialistic point of view. Make most of it while you have it. And you see, if that is the case, then you have to believe that this self which you consider yourself is constantly taking birth and constantly dying. We experience that in our life. My yesterday died, and today was born. My childhood died, and adolescent was born. Adolescent died, adult was born. Adult died, and old man was born. I'm constantly dying and taking birth in various different forms. If that is your belief, then also you should not be worried about something which is inevitable. Why should you be worried about? We do not complain about sun rising in the morning and setting in the evening. Inevitable. It's going to happen every day. No matter how hard you try. Something that's inevitable, if you're worried about, you're a foolish person. There are no riots in India because summer was so hot. unbearable. There are riots in India because government changed the law about citizenship. Because that's not something happening every day. It's not inevitable. Government could have done other way around. And therefore, people can complain or might complain about it. But people complaining a summer was so hard, well, that's not something you can buy any air conditioner if you can afford it. If you can't afford it, do something else. But there is no reason for complaining something which is Inevitable. So if we consider this dying and taking birth is inevitable, then also there is no real reason for you to worry about it. So even from that perspective, you should not be grieving about what you have to do as part of your duties. You are the general of the army, you are called upon to fight this war and there will be some collateral damage of this war. Many people will die, somebody will win and somebody will lose. But that's the nature of the war. Your job is to do your job. drivo <inaudible> drvomritto, whoever has taken birth will die. It is certain that that which takes birth will die. That which is created will be destroyed. We you know that. Then nothing in this world, which was created at one point of time, was never destroyed. The lifespan may be one year, one month. 10 minutes or eons but it will perish this universe came into existence we know it will disintegrate some point of time so jatasya dhruvam that which is created will be destroyed that which has taken birth will die Dhruvam janma mrutasya cha that's slightly difficult to accept that which dies has to take birth so we know this table was wood before When wood died, table took birth. This world is driven by cause and effect. is regulated by cause and effect. If I see an effect, there is a cause for it. This effect itself can become a cause for another effect. Because the wood was there, table came into existence. Now this table may become useless. It can become fuel in your fireplace. So, that which is dying takes birth in another form. Dhruvam janvam cha, that which is dying has to take birth in another form. Tasmat a pariharye arthe natvam sochitam arhasi. And therefore, that's something which is constantly happening, bound by cause and effect. We know that it's inevitable, there is no reason to grieve about. Even if you don't take for granted that this all-pervading, almighty self, which makes you who you are and who I as I am, then taking for granted what we know already, that because I have taken birth, I have to die. Because I'm dying, I'll be taking birth in some other form. If that fact I accept, then also there's no reason to worry about I have taken so many births before, so many deaths before. This may be one more. The cycle will continue. Sun rises in the morning, sets in the evening, nobody worries about it because it will continue happening. It has been happening from the day the earth was created and it will continue till earth is there. Then only you should not worry about it. avyakta vyaktadini bhutani. How does this cycle work? avyakta vyaktadini bhutani, vyaktamadhyani bharata. The beings are unmanifest in the beginning and then Vyakta Madhyani Bharata in the middle they exist as manifest beings or Vyakta Nidhanani Eva then become unmanifest again then this is something we can vouch for my son wasn't there before his birth he is now here at some point of time when he will die he will not be there I was not here before I'm here now After my death, I won't be here. Many people came on this planet and went away. There is no trace of any one of them. We can read about them in history books, but can't find any trace of them. They are unmanifest. They were unmanifest before they were born. They were manifest when they were living on this planet. And they are gone. They are unmanifest. This law of cause and effect... The effect comes into existence because of the cause. Cause was existent before, but not the effect. That cause, then now in effect, is only existent because the cause is existent. Once that cause is removed from that effect, effect will go away. So Bhagavan said that even if you take that for granted, that these beings were not there before, they are here now, and they will not be there. Afterwards, paridevana. what is there to be worried about? What is there to grieve about? This is a cycle. People were not there. They take birth. They will die. You see, if you take this as an inevitable cycle of creation, things are created, destroyed, created in different forms. Again, cycle will continue. You don't need to worry about the ultimate reality. But this is something you and I can accept. And therefore, there is no real reason for you not to do what you are supposed to do. You have to continue doing what you have to do today and face the consequences bravely. That's basically Bhagavan's message here. We'll stop right here. Om Sarve Bhavant Sukhina sarve santu Niramayaha, sarve bhadrani pashyantu ma kaschit dukha om shantihi shantihi shantih hare Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha